I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And you want to check out our podcast? Maybe you don't even understand how podcasts work. Go to clark.com slash podcast. So I want to talk to you about something that's going to be really volatile for your wallet through the 20s. And it's what you pay to fuel your vehicle. There are certain trends that are not your friend necessarily with energy. Here's what's going on. The financial markets look forward, and they are looking specifically at the conversion of the worldwide transportation fleet. Gradually, over the next 20 years, transitioning from gasoline and diesel to electrification. And it's something that a lot of other countries in the world are further along than we are in the United States. Right now in the United States, I think we're only about 2% of our vehicles are electric. But uh, gosh, Norway is above 50% of the vehicles sold are electric. In Europe, generally around 15%. In China, also about 15%. And the numbers just keep rising. So let's say I am an investment organization of some kind, private equity, I'm a a funder of some kind, I'm the bond market that would provide funding or lending market that would provide funding to oil drillers here in the United States and elsewhere in the world. They're putting money in in long-term bets and they're becoming more and more afraid that it's dangerous for their investments to invest in oil exploration and extraction. And so what that means is that the oil companies flat out don't have enough money to do the exploration that they've done in prior years. In addition, several oil majors outside the United States are taking funds that they have available from their earnings on the oil and diesel they sell, and they are uh, turning that towards solar and wind that have become the cheapest forms of energy in much of the world. And so they're getting involved in what are called utility-scale build-outs of solar and these giant wind turbines and these massive uh, solar farms. And so they've got less money to go out and do exploration, drilling, and extraction. So what it means to you is the oil industry is headed for decline. And so it means that you're going to see more price swings with energy. You're going to see what you have to pay for gasoline, or if you have a vehicle that runs on diesel, you're going to see wider swings in the price up and down than we have historically seen. 
There will be periods where even though demand will gradually decline for oil and oil and then the products that come from it, gasoline, diesel, other distillates, that the supply equation versus the demand of the remaining vehicles that run on these fuels, even as they decline, is going to lead to more price volatility. Meaning that you could see in the course of a year what you pay for a gallon of gas, like right now the cheapest gallons of gas in the country are I think about a dollar twenty-five maybe, somewhere like that. And then you've got California where of the mainland states where gasoline's always a fortune, uh, where people are still paying relatively big money for gasoline. But you're going to see that it will go from low points in the ones in most states to very, very significantly higher prices than we've had to pay in recent years. The effects of spikes in prices will be very short-lived, but the pricing will be more erratic than we're comfortable with and used to. On the good news side, the availability of very affordable electric vehicles and electric vehicles that are a lot more fun to drive than gas engine vehicles will steadily increase over the next two years in the United States and then will dramatically increase as a lot of automakers plan by the end of this decade to be fully focused on making electric vehicles. The research and development in the automotive industry and the truck industry is almost exclusively geared towards electric vehicles. The range of them getting better and better. The newest vehicles that will be coming out will go four to 500 miles in range, and the charge time is getting a lot quicker. Toyota claims that they have developed an electric power plant using solid-state batteries that charges in full in 10 minutes, getting very close to the equivalent for a gas engine car or vehicle. So, and the big wave of pickup trucks coming that are electric is amazing. And by the way, if you love the Mustang, the auto reviewers adore the new electric version of the Mustang. It's time for your questions. You posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Joel and Krista alternate. And Joel, what do you got? Clark, this one comes from Max in South Carolina. He says, I am currently a happy, visible subscriber for mobile phone service, and I always read your articles about the best deals, but I never see you mention Googlefy as one of the best providers. I'm curious, but I don't know much about their service, so could you provide some info? Uh, Googlefy works great for people. Oh, my computer just thought I was talking to it. Can you hear this? That's okay. <laughs> so my is that funny? My computer thought I was talking to it when I mentioned uh, I won't say that G O G L E F I, and so this particular cell phone service is one that has a very very loyal following, especially among people who are not into unlimited data, want metered data, and also travel overseas where it's especially useful being on that GOO, GLE, FI network. And I love Visible because you have unlimited data. 
You don't have to worry about metered data. And I don't feel that that other cell phone service that I won't say the name of right now is a good deal for anyone who uses a pretty significant amount of data. If you are a light volume data user, though, it's a great choice and has a lot of flexibility. And I've got a number of companies on our cell phone pricing guide that are great if you do use minimal amounts of data. As of late, the best deal for metered data has been BoostMobile.com. Krista? Hey, Clark. Myron in Virginia says, can I factory reset my current Chromebook to use as a dedicated financial Chromebook? That is, will it be just as safe as purchasing a used one? I had to get the answer to this. This had come up before, and the answer is yes. But if you really want it to be safe, after you factory reset it, set up a second Gmail account for yourself that's just for that financial Chromebook, and that will coordinate off. It will do what they call sandbox it and will make it extra safe for you to use as a financial transactions device. If you're not familiar with why Chromebooks are so highly recommended by technology experts for doing financial stuff, they are not subject to having um, viruses on them like you have with a MacBook or a Windows computer. Joel? Clark Bob in Virginia says, I've found your advice to be solid. However, having been an automotive dealer for 43 years, I'd like to make a few points for your consideration. I heard you recommend Carvana for a used car purchase. Please check out their BBB reviews as their service and quality of vehicles are not very good. They're very poor. Next, I heard you recommend CarMax, and although their quality is much better, their prices are based on the highest book value available with no negotiation. Not good for an unknowing consumer. Both of these sources seem to have become a finance play, financing lower credit consumers with high prices, and in the case of Carvana, awful quality and value, which brings me to a third point. Over the years, I've heard you advise that people should never co-sign for anyone. Parents should be willing to co-sign for their children's first car to help them establish and handle credit. Otherwise, children are at the mercy of buy-here, pay-here dealers. Thank you for all your uh, items that you pointed out, and Uh, you bring very valid issues to the table on the thing you mentioned about, let's talk about CarMax for a second. Um, CarMax, the thing that traditional dealers have always said about CarMax is, hey, they sell vehicles for more money than we do. So it's not a good deal for consumers. What I've learned over the years is consumers love the very simple, no pressure way that CarMax sells their vehicles and the ability to bring it back for a full refund uh, if you don't like it. So attractive that people are actually willing to pay more for the vehicle than they would pay to a traditional franchise dealer's used car operation. My feeling has been offer the ultra-customer-friendly policies that CarMax does, and you'll be able to price your used vehicles higher as well. There's nothing wrong with you making a good living off of what you do. The financing thing has always been something that I have spoken about, not just with CarMax or Carvana, but with all vehicle purchases. It is a convenience when you finance a vehicle at any dealer, and you're paying for that convenience. 
Arranging your own financing in advance will save you a ton of money. What you've said about Carvana, uh, you may know more about it than I do. I have not heard the issues that you related, and we've not had those complaints here on the show. Carvana has been growing very quickly, and they seem to make a lot of people happy. But if, in fact, you're right that they're experience is terrible and the vehicles they sell are junk the word of mouth in the marketplace will establish that and they will be harmed significantly for harming consumers mike is with us on the clark howard show hello mike how you doing hey clark thanks for taking my call sure you're a generous soul what are you thinking of doing there's a uh, young girl she's in uh, just starting high school now and I actually was uh, with her mother years ago, and I helped raise this child uh, um, when she was much younger. Unfortunately, I didn't stay together with the mother, but we've been very good friends. And uh, I kind of made a a promise that I would help uh, her child through college. I'm kind of her uncle now, so to speak. But I'm trying to figure out, since I'm not a blood relative, does that keep me from starting a 529 college fund for her? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. So you can open that 529 account. You can own it, and you can name her as a beneficiary. But the better thing would be to, uh, uh, if you if you really trust the mom, uh, to give the mom the money <laughs> for having the 529 for benefit of the child. Yeah, that's one of my issues is that I definitely want to do it myself. Uh, just uh, they tend to have emergencies, and so that money could be quickly taken away for something if it's in somebody else's name. <laughs> okay. All right. So you can own it and have as beneficiary uh, that child, and it it is absolutely fine for you to do that. And so you will be able to pay, uh, you know, give – the child, the money for eligible college expenses. And it is a very, uh, it's a great thing that you are honoring a commitment from so many years ago for the benefit of the child. So how much do you know about 529 plans? Not too much. I'm in Florida. And so it doesn't look like from online that it's one of the the better states to use that maybe using a, a third party state <laughs> yeah to so would be better although florida has the unusual wrinkle that it has a prepaid tuition plan what's the likelihood that this young lady will go to a state supported college in the state of florida oh almost definitely yes yeah so uh, you can you can use the prepaid plan and the beauty of okay. that is that with a uh, prepaid plan you're buying so many credits in a Florida state uh, university or college, a state-funded school. Okay. And so that, that would be an really alternative. Good. Otherwise, go look at my guide to 529 plans and pick one of the ultra-cheap ones that's from anywhere in the country and put the money into it because you don't have to be a resident of the state that you put money in a general 529 account. The difference is the prepaid plan, you're buying actual uh, credits towards graduation that you're prepaying that Florida offers. With the other, you're just putting money in that grows tax-free, that's spent tax-free. 
right? And with the prepaid plan, there's no chance of getting that money back, right? Even if there's a penalty. Is that correct? Oh, uh, gosh, I have never dug into the <laughs> details of what happens in that case. But if you're concerned about that, just do a traditional 529 plan. Uh, Utah is one of my favorites, but I have several others on the lowest cost list. You could go in any of those, and then you'd know that you had uh, funded that amount of this young lady's college. And uh, I think that this is really cool that you made this promise long ago for a relationship that doesn't exist anymore, and you're still honoring that commitment. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So the last thing you ever want from me is to feel ripped off by me. You'll hear me give an answer to somebody's question, uh, cover something in the news, give advice, info, an opinion, and you just won't like it. You'll think I'm wrong. Maybe I am wrong. You'll think that I didn't give the complete story or that in answering somebody's question, I could have done a better job. And I love to hear from you when you feel that way. And that's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, where I can get the feedback from you that I haven't done what you expect from me, and that is to give you the best advice you can find anywhere. So once each week, producers Joel and Krista go through your posts on Clark Stinks and share their favorites with you here on the show. And I should point out, this is the final Clark Stinks of 2020. And starting in 21, you will hear Clark Stinks on the podcast. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark Howard. Uh, I, I had to start with this one because it's a, I mean, it's a pretty good insult here. This one comes from Jay. He says, sir, you stink more than a rotting bird carcass under a Wyoming wind turbine on a hot, sticky day. <laughs> While you're... Wow! Yeah, I know. It's impressive, right? I think I need to go to Wyoming to see this. <laughs> He says, while you're right on advocating for nuclear energy, you're really off the mark when it comes to wind and huge solar array farms. These are neither green nor sustainable. The wind turbines not only kill tens of thousands of birds and bats annually, but also create huge footprints and pollute the ground in and around the base of the tower with oil and lubrication waste. In addition, the noise and site pollution from these behemoth farms have a disparate impact on rural communities. If these wind turbines are so great... Why are they not located smack dab in urban areas where the energy is needed most? I appreciate that. And I, ever since I first talked about wind turbines, we have had complaints from people everywhere in the country. I remember I was speaking once in Wisconsin and someone who lived downwind from wind turbines was sharing with me how it had really harmed his quality of life. And that as he referred to me as a city boy, I needed to know what was great for me was not great for him. 
and every form of energy has some negative attached to it either for the environment generally or the environment specifically or people's quality of life near that and there is no perfect energy other than conservation which we don't do enough of in the united states and i appreciate what you're saying the reason turbines often are not in large metro areas is people have tended to locate in large urban areas that don't have great deals of wind other than the u.s capital because the hot hot air from all the politicians (laughs) and from chicago with is known as the windy city but you bring up very valid points Christy, you like that, huh? The like politicians yeah. with the hot air? There's a lot of hot air. Yeah. Uh, Randy says, I'm always surprised when you recommend target retirement funds for people looking to invest, especially the younger audience. Target date funds contain bonds, and there's no need for bonds for a young investor. I would recommend total stock market to your audience. And I think that's fine. In fact, uh, there are times that I recommend the total stock market index fund and the total international stock index fund as a combo that will work for people under age 40 as all you would really need to go into. The reason that you have bonds is because of what's known as beta, the overall risk profile of your portfolio. And if you look at uh, target retirement funds geared towards 2050 and later, they're overwhelmingly stock oriented with very little to potentially no bond exposure the idea though for a lot of people is if it comes down to having to pick funds and rebalance funds they're just never going to get around to it and that's automatically done for them in a target retirement fund and i should add an annex to this there is a problem with some issuers of target retirement funds where they ladle on extra fees on the funds and make them uneconomic or non-economic choices. But most money is overwhelmingly in target retirement funds that don't do that, that have very low costs. Joel? All right, Clark. Since we're talking about asset allocation, this one comes from Bill. He says, I'm catching a whiff of burnt toast and possible financial ruin from a bit of your advice. On a recent podcast, you reported that uh, that day that approximately 53% of those saving for retirement save that money in a savings account, which is an ill-advised move. Then later that hour, you advised someone that they could take out 4% of their retirement stash each year with a good chance that it would last through retirement. Maybe, but not if one has put that money in a savings account earning less than 4% a year. One needs to invest at least 60% of that retirement money in the stock market with the remainder in bonds if they hope out, uh, to pull out a 4% a year withdrawal for decades. They'll need a return of somewhere between 6 to 8% per year in order to pull out 4% a year with some inflation protection. How much one can remove each year is directly dependent upon how the money is invested. 100% correct, no doubt. And my good friend Alan Roth, who is a financial guy extraordinaire who you probably have seen on TV and read in a lot of financial publications, if you're into financial publications, says that 4% is too high a percent to pull out, that 3.5% is 
is the amount you should pull out under today's conditions to know that you have a near certainty that you'll never run out of money. And I want to say that there is an alternative for people who are uh, risk averse, they're afraid of the whole stock thing, and that is to buy an immediate payout annuity or um, a longevity annuity. And I know that annuities are generally on our show considered to be a cuss word, but these two types of annuities are an exception. An immediate payout annuity is kind of like setting up your own pension. You typically buy these if you are of means in an amount of $100,000. And then that 100000 based on your expected life expectancy, will send you money every month for the rest of your life. If you live much longer than the actuarial tables say the insurance company loses, if you live shorter than they expect, then you lose. But the reality is you never run out of money. The other one is where you buy one that starts at age 80 or 85. You tend to buy at age 60 or so. That pays you nothing till you hit your 80s and then pays you an extraordinarily large amount of money for the rest of your life so you never have to worry about running out of money. Krista? Steve says, it seems you have a double standard. You say it's bad to get store credit cards because of the high interest rates they charge. My wife has a Kohl's card, and she gets some good deals with it. You make the assumption that I would keep a balance on that card. I don't keep a balance on any credit card. In the same show, I heard you say that you pay off your credit cards every month. So you think your listeners are less astute than you. Shame on you. This really stinks to think your listeners are less intelligent than you are. A big mistake. And I don't know if Steve's wife is named Shirley, but I did get another Clark Stinks from a Shirley talking about how much she loves her Kohl's credit card. Well, Shirley and Steve, thank you. And I did not mean to pick on Kohl's as part of talking about that. And certainly, if you pay bills in full every month, which... Uh, a significant portion of people do, I think, depending on whose stats you believe, somewhere between 35 and 40 percent of people pay their credit card bills in full every month, then what I talk about, about store cards being junk cards and all that, is not really applicable to you. And if you're getting good discounts from it, then that's great. I mean, I talk about the Target red card, which can either be a debit card or a credit card, like it's unbelievably good so you're right there is a certain blind spot in me and a certain level of hypocrisy but the majority of people don't pay their balances in full and that's where your wallet gets clobbered by the store cards joel this one starts out clark was sympathetic to the caller who lost fourteen hundred dollars for a prepaid international hotel booked through a third party site While I hate to hear that she lost the money, that's always been a risk when deciding to go for non-refundable hotel rooms or any form of travel. I've been burned as well, but that's the risk we take when we take advantage of non-refundable discounts. If you read the third-party site's contracts, they're clear that there will be no refunds for any reason, even a pandemic. Clark should advise listeners that if they can't afford to lose money on non-refundable travel costs, deposits, etc., then please stick with refundable options, even if they do cost a little more. I appreciate what you said completely. What I disagree with is that people who had booked directly with hotels in the pandemic have found more accommodations, not always, because again, you signed up for something that was fully non-refundable and non-changeable in that that circumstance, 
um, it's been much more likely that hotel bookings direct with a hotel have been credited for future travel. Now, back in March, April, and May, we took a lot of calls about this, and there were hotels, even where people booked directly, that said, life's tough, we're keeping your money. There were others that were much more accommodating. The reality is the third-party booking sites generally told people to get lost and did nothing to accommodate people in these circumstances. Krista? Mr. Howard, Mr. Howard, Mr. Howard. Oh, seriously? Your listeners are not idiots. We all know what an internet search is, so stop saying Google search. When you say Google or whatever search engine you use, it's like saying Wells Fargo or whatever investment company you use. Richard. Richard, thank you. Okay, so Richard, the reason I say that is when you say internet search or web search, people by default automatically go to Google. So I say that as force of habit to try to get in people's minds that there are alternatives. For example, the best search engine that exists that I know of is DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo has tiny market share, but they're not there spying on you and building on their dossier of you like Google does. And there are other choices as well. Um, Some of them don't work as well. Google, one thing they've got is their search results usually are very, very good and you may not find as good a search results elsewhere, but I find that with DuckDuckGo, I have the privacy and great results. Joel? All right, Clark, I figured we'd end Clark Stinks this year on a little bit of a positive note. Uh, this one comes from Jonah in Florida. He says, I started listening to you after I lost my business in the 07 crash. I, I blame the government while listening to talk radio while working my three jobs. And when you would come on later in the night, your advice actually really changed my life. I recently finished college and now work in the office of a larger company. Your show gave me great advice to take control of my money, not let people dictate how I spend it, and it's helped me take control of my own life. I now feel like I know what to look out for and uh, always have money uh, and to always have money so it doesn't control me. I'm not as cheap as you are. I don't use razors for years on end, but I proudly save money every day. So thank you for everything. Well, that is a very kind way to end Clark Stinks of 2020. I appreciate all your posts, and I take them to heart, and I look forward to serving you, and Clark Stinks will be with you in 21. Cheryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cheryl. How are you doing? I'm fine, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Cheryl. So you got an unusual letter in the mail. I did. It uh, offered me a chance to take part in a COVID-19 vaccine trial, said it offered payment of up to $740, no-cost study-related care, and potential COVID vaccine at no cost. When I went out to their website, they asked for a lot of personal information, age, gender, etc. So then I wasn't sure if it was real or a hoax. So the people, based on the checking we did, the people who contacted you are legit. And the information that they asked from you, uh, they didn't ask for anything like your social security number or anything like that, did they? I didn't go that far into it. Once they started asking all those questions, I thought, oh, I'm done. Because there are a number of um, health parameter kind of questions they'll ask. 
in order to qualify you. I uh, was a volunteer to participate in one, and I got rejected really quickly, I guess, because <laughs> my pre-existings. But, yeah, the questions were very personal, very medical, especially. Yeah. And so it's really your option, your choice, if you want to participate. The thing about vaccines, though, is we're pretty far along with that in terms of vaccines that have already been approved. There are others still in the pipeline. So it really is a personal choice if you want to participate in one of these because they make you sign a disclaimer, a medical waiver, that if suddenly you start having new body parts growing out of your head or whatever after having it, it's tough, okay? So yeah. uh, you, what would be your motivation? Is it the oh, money well, they're offering? You know, I'm, or I'm older and I would hate to get COVID and blah, blah, blah. But I think, um, I think I'm going to pass on this since the vaccine is on its way. I think I'll just wait until it's my turn. And uh, the first wave of people are obviously going to have it over the next few weeks. But sure. widespread uh, inoculations really are going to start, it looks like, in March. So, And that's okay because we're, we're really healthy here, you know. So we don't know anybody personally who has it. And we're really? very, very careful when we go out in public. Really? You don't know anybody personally who's had coronavirus? No. Okay, that's amazing because... <laughs> I, I knew three people who've died. I know a lot oh, of people no. who've had it. And it's it's funny because people tend to react to it based on who's close to them or who they know who's had it or was affected heavily by it. And uh, that's amazing that you've been through this entire cycle of the coronavirus pandemic and don't know anyone who's even had it. Wow, maybe you should play the lottery because you got a lot of luck going on in your life. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review us wherever you're listening. For more money-saving info, go to Clark.com. And for bargains, ClarkDeals.com.